I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning, and welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAV. I am your host, Mike Madison. Uh, dang, I meant to pull up a quote. There's a, there's a quote out there that says something along the lines of, uh, it, it's not the majority of people who change things, it's the tireless, irate minority that changes things. Uh, I'll rectify this on tomorrow's show. Popped in my head as I was coming on uh, on air. Uh, that's what this show is for. This is not going to be a show for the majority of people. I have certainly come to that realization, but it is for that irate minority <laughs> willing to stand up, speak the truth. If we can just get, you know, what's the, what's the percentage? 3%, 5% of people. I'm not really sure where it lies, but we need, uh, we need more, but we don't need everybody. This is the show for not everybody, but for those in that irate, tireless minority. Uh, I am uh, actually on the road this week. I'm uh, going to be in Austin, Texas. So this show is pre-recorded. Now, this comes with some challenges. And there's kind of a biggie here as I record the weekend before you hear this. And the rumor is that Donald Trump is to be adi- indicted, possibly arrested, before this show even airs. So I'll say all this not knowing if this is going to end up being true. We've heard, I don't know, how many times now? The walls are closing in <laughs> uh, constantly. Trump's about to be arrested. This is the end. We've, we've heard these things over and over again. So I don't know if it will actually come true. Uh, Trump himself seems to be kind of hyping this. And I believe there's a reason for that. I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm, I'm not a Trump fan, as most people know. And this is just more political theater to be constantly chasing him. And, and the odd thing to me is, and I, I don't pretend to know everything, but I'll tell you, my spidey senses go off. Something doesn't feel right uh, because these kinds of things make Trump more popular and more powerful among his party. He is set to embark on a primary uh, season now, possibly against Ron DeSantis. Uh, more about that at a later time. The civil war in the Republican Party that is brewing, and I've warned about <laughs> Uh, quite some time ago, not because I'm a genius, anybody can see this thing coming, but, you know, an indictment and even an arrest of Donald Trump will make him more powerful and more popular within his party. So I find myself wondering why they would do this. See, ignoring him is the real strategy if the left wanted to neuter Donald Trump. But I believe that the entire political system benefits from stirring the pot as much as they can so that people continue to fight amongst themselves. It's especially important to the ruling class that you be distracted, and particularly now, because what's coming financially uh, might have their heads on a pike at some point. If the people ever kind of came together, stopped the massive looting of the criminal political class, 
But that's going to take some coming together. These are the kinds of things that stoke hatred and animosity among people. Now, I believe, actually, Donald Trump loves this. And as of this recording, it seems like he's kind of uh, hyping this a little bit. I believe he has called for people to go out and protest again. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get into that. I'm not for this. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not for this in this context, this, this political theater of the Donald Trump witch hunt. Um, unless unless we're going to apply the laws equally across the board. And there certainly is no sign of that. It's my opinion that every sitting president since JFK is guilty of war crimes and probably, most definitely, uh, many other corruption crimes. And I would imagine the majority of politicians, this is just about at every level, but there are certainly some good people who serve on the local on the local level, even some good people at the states, a few good people up there uh, in the federal government trying to make a difference in vain. But the majority of politicians, that would be your 50% plus one, maybe 50% plus 30%. (laughs) I would imagine if you looked hard enough at them and just applied the current laws to their behaviors and their transactions, uh, they would also be serving time. Or at the very uh, least, they should be ritually humiliated and cast from our society. Uh, But while I don't support this going after Donald Trump, I I realize it's political theater. Then even as someone who is not a Trump fan, I'm happy if a bunch of them go to jail and Trump can go with them, as far as I'm concerned. Sorry for triggering anybody. But we're not going to do that. You're just going to have the left versus right. The, the Democrats are going to go out and say, look at that. We're trying to take him down. This will somehow please the brainwashed on the left who believe that Donald Trump is some reason uh, that they're struggling. And on the right, it will be used to, hey, look who's coming after us. We must be over the target. You know what I'm talking about. It's the same stuff. I'm, I'm more, I'd like to see tar and feathers making a comeback. And if that doesn't work, if they won't let us do that, then uh, I've told you, I'm prepared to get into the guillotine business at any point. You know, there's an arrest warrant out right now, apparently from the International Criminal Court for Vladimir Putin for his in, uh, invasion of Ukraine. Now, what's interesting about the International Criminal Court is that the U.S. doesn't recognize this court. Do you know why? And they have actually said this out loud. I don't have a a, many times up to, I believe, last week. They have actually said it out loud. Uh, They can't support the International Criminal Court that has issued this arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin because it would open the United States up to the same kinds of charges that are being leveled against Vladimir Putin right now. And we would have a whole lot of our people in big trouble. And so it would open up our criminal murdering class to charges as well. I've said it many times. Just about every modern president in U.S. history is a war criminal. Uh, As far as Trump in 2024, just so that I'm clear, he would be wildly better president than Joe Biden. I wish Joe Biden had not been elected and Donald Trump had been reelected if I only have my choice of those two people. But Trump, to me, is not somebody with core beliefs to make the country more free, and that's what I'm most interested in. He emboldened the Federal Reserve. We're about to get into a little bit of, little bit of economy stuff. Of course, pre-recording this, 
God only knows what happens between the time I record this show and when it airs on Wednesday. <laughs> things are moving fast. As I said, things happen slowly and then all at once. So I may miss that uh, by a few days, but don't worry. I'll come back and circle around to it. Circle back. Uh, but Donald Trump emboldened the Federal Reserve, made him more powerful during his term, and lit the fuse on this economic crisis along with Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And, and as far as Trump's re-election, he'd be wildly better than Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden's the worst. You really can't have a lower bar. But in my opinion, Republicans, if you want to find some, there are a lot of good people with true core beliefs you could get behind in the Republican Party, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Americans like to be sold something that's flashy. And Donald Trump is a marketing genius. That's where his genius lies is in his marketing. It's not in his policy. It's not in his ideas. It's not in his vernacular or vocabulary. His genius lies in marketing. And that will beat out real conservative thinkers every time, at least for right now. Now, the other problem with a Trump nomination is I believe the Democrats want Trump to be the GOP nominee. I could be wrong. People tell me that they're going after him because they're scared of him. As I said, I believe it makes him more powerful because here, in the end, nothing's going to come of this. And the Democrats will tell their tribe, see, we went after him. Trump will tell his tribe, see, they're coming after me. And nothing will ultimately happen except months, possibly years of political and legal wrangling. And vast majority of Americans will get swept in it on one side or the other committed to their side. But for people like me, I, I look, Donald Trump hired some of the worst people. He did some good things and some very bad things, but mostly he showed me he doesn't have any core beliefs. Well, I take that back. He has one true core belief that I can identify, and that is complete allegiance to him. You're okay as long as you're completely loyal to him. Uh, one of the most slimy and deadly men in the Senate, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Trump stood behind, beside Lindsey Graham. His opening political rally to kick off his re-election campaign was in South Carolina with Lindsey Graham. And Trump stands with him. Now, I've seen people defend him and say, it's just strategy, Mike. You don't understand. He needs South Carolina. I don't care. He is standing next to a psychopathic, warmongering killer. And I can't believe, I, I'm still stunned. Sometime in my travels, I would imagine I'll find myself in South Carolina, and boy, I'll be asking people a lot of questions when I get there. How they can continue to send this guy. Uh, this is why I believe Republicans don't bust apart uh, election meddling, e election shenanigans, because I would imagine it's got to be the case for I have to believe this just so I have some, some hope in the people of South Carolina. I've got to assume that Lindsey Graham rigs those elections. How in the world is this guy elected over and over again? But ultimately, uh, what we're going to see is political theater, whether by the time you hear this show, he's already been arrested or he's going to be arrested. As I say, fool me once. Uh, shame on you. Fool me. 89 times <laughs> Trump's going to be elected. Uh, shame on me. So we'll see. Uh, but if Trump is arrested, that'll be all that you hear on the radio. So as usual, I'm going to give you something just a little bit different. We'll do that as soon as we come back. I was born a shotgun in my hands. 
still getting kind of used to my new schedule. So I, I'm looking at my notes. I've just got so many things to go over, but I'm going to kind of focus in on some things here. Uh, I had a lot of time to look at this SVB uh, collapse, Signature Bank. You know, the SVB bailout is pretty nefarious, I got to tell you. And what they propose to fix these things, this, this idea they're, de- they're going to guarantee all deposits, no limits, that was an absolute bailout of Silicon Valley and the billionaire class in California and around the world. SVB had like startup capital from private equity groups. This was a bailout of the rich. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Couched as some kind of a loving protectionist, Joe Biden and Janet Yellen. It's disgusting. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that today, but make no mistake. The wealthy were just bailed out and it will ultimately land in taxpayers' laps. There's basically no way around it. I don't want to go through all the mechanisms of all the moves that have to happen. But ultimately, it makes us weaker, not to mention the fact that if this continues, we are going to see inflation that's really going to... Look, I've already warned you about this. I'm going to talk about it in a second. Let me do a couple of quotes of the day. And I want to remind people of this. Uh, some These are repeats to people who might not have heard this show before. These will be new to you. Anyone who has listened before, you've heard some of these before. Uh, this is Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson said, I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to the liberties than standing armies. To, excuse me. I want to make sure that I give this justice. I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issuance of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all their property until the chicken, uh, until their children, (laughs) until their children will wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. I'm telling you, if we just, this tireless minority I started talking about at the beginning of the show, if you're with me, if we can get 3 to 5% of the people to understand the financial system as it currently exists, we might be able to do something. Unfortunately, people just, they don't, they don't, to be honest with you, they don't want to hear it. I might have lost some people since the beginning of this show, <laughs> since, I, since I said this quote, oh, he's going to talk about the economy again. Yeah, I am. But just think about that. That is Thomas Jefferson as everybody is gnashing their teeth about China and Russia. You're about to find out who is really a threat to the American way of life. Uh, Let's see. James Madison. James Madison said this. Armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. Debts and taxes will be what brings our domination under the few. And Walter Williams one of these true, you know, like I say, there's some great thinkers on the right. You really have a lot to choose from. It's just that everything's prepackaged. You're only given a couple of choices through a primary season. And most of the people that you're given, they're not the thinking class. They're the marketing class. Walter Williams, a great thinker, great conservative thinker, a libertarian guy, said, politicians exploit economic illiteracy. Politicians exploit 
economic illiteracy. And they may do this. They may do this better than just about anything else they do. It's really quite sad. Uh, the, the French, over the past week, the French are in the streets. There are fires in the streets of France right now uh, after their ruler, their president, Macron, he just executively raised the retirement age. And I, I, I know we're supposed to hate the French. Supposedly they're cowards. And it's really kind of funny. They were right on a rock. We weren't. We changed French fries to freedom fries. But it turns out um, they were right and we were wrong. But the people in France have been living through this westernized socialism that we're, we're trying out here in the United States. And we have for some time. Uh, but at least they're rebelling now. Americans are still at the point of the crisis where you sit on the couch tweeting the political party talking points. Let's see. I think I had another. Oh, this is it. I actually had a listener contact me and accuse me, accuse me of not talking enough about Jim Cramer, the horrific CNBC uh, financial guru. Everything he says is a way to lose massive amounts of money for the recommendations he gives to his listeners. I told her, I said, I, I promise you, I'm trying. Jim Cramer, obviously, too. I'll mention it one more time. He did call for essentially the military should hold everybody down and inoculate them for COVID. This is when it was gloves off. He was always kind of a mild amusement to me. But when he said that, uh, he became a true target of this show. This is just pretty funny. And this is one to put into the vaults there. Uh, the Mad Money, that's his show. The headline was, Jim Cramer says the Fed is on the cusp of a, quote, soft Soft, safe landing in its inflation fight. Remember that one. Jim Cramer, wrong, wronger, and that might be his wrongest one. We will see. Um, you know, I told you uh, back in 2022 that when the Federal Reserve turns around and starts printing money up again, uh, you are going to look back on 2022 as the inflation there that everybody of you remember last year. Everybody was crying about it, myself included. It was disgusting. It's horrible. Uh, those are going to be the good old days. The Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve started printing money again uh, just in the last week. $300 billion were added to their balance sheet meaning they just printed money out of thin air and started buying what I believe were some of these, now they're considered toxic bank assets, and those are just bonds that are yielding incredibly low amounts that aren't worth what the banks think are trying to tell you they're worth. And I knew that the Federal Reserve eventually would chicken out, especially when they raised rates enough to break the economy, and that's what they're doing, although the problem is not so much the raising now as the keeping rates at zero for 12 years. That was the big mistake, never forget that either. Uh, they've broken the economy, and, and you're going to see this. They've already broken it. We're just not realizing it yet. It's kind of like uh, what I've talked about with my health show. You can eat a lot of garbage. Maybe you don't feel great along the way, but if you do it for long enough, you can get terminally ill. Well, that's basically what we're circling around right now. It takes about, it takes anywhere from nine months to a year and a half for these interest rates to kind of seep through the economy, and as companies have to start refinancing their debt, at much, 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 much higher levels. You know, they don't do that. The Federal Reserve doesn't raise interest rates from 1% to 5%. The next day, a corporation has to go, uh, you know, take out new loans. No, they raise them incrementally. 
And then when these corporate bonds start maturing over the course of the next year or two years, that's when they have to refine. That's when it starts putting tremendous pressure uh, on their business. So these things are still going through. But the Federal Reserve just started printing money again with inflation already at 6%. And this is, of course, the official number we all know. <laughs> you can pretty much double any, uh, any official number. So now 6% is the floor. You remember when they started printing money before, we didn't really have inflation, certainly not like we saw last year. And they were telling us it was around 1.2%, 1.6%. I personally don't like to see the value of my savings destroyed at all, but the Fed tells us 2% healthy inflation. That's a lie, but they've convinced everybody of this. They started printing money when inflation was around 1% or 2%, and we got what we got. Now they're printing money with inflation at 6%. That's the new floor. Now, it may gyrate a little bit. We may get a lower reading at some point. But rest assured, as this plays out and the Federal Reserve comes to do more, air quotes here in the studio, fixing, air quotes here in the studio, rescuing, when it's really bailing out. They're really bailing people out. As they do more of these things and print money to do it, with 6% as a floor, we will see double-digit inflation. And the thing is, is that they are talking about this current bailout. They printed up $300 billion in one week, which totally undid everything they've been doing for the last four months to try to take money out of the economy to fight inflation. They undid four months worth of work uh, in one week in response to these two banks, Signature and SVB. But the estimated price on this a lot of people are saying this is ultimately around a $2 trillion bailout needed. And of course, that won't work either. But if they print up another $2 trillion on top of the basement of 6% inflation, you got more coming. Of course, that's still chicken feed to the $5 trillion bailout by the Fed and anyone, anyone, Donald Trump in 2020 that kicked off uh, this inflationary spiral. Now, I know we're supposed to pretend that Donald Trump played no part in this. It's all Joe Biden. I wanted to play a couple of clips real quick. <laughs> this will get you back on my side. Check this out. This is funny. This is the man. This is the man that people believe is the maniacal evil genius behind destroying our economy. I just met, I won't embarrass them by pointing out, I don't, want, I don't have permission, but I just met a woman who has health care costs that are $600,000 a year. Wait, what? $7,000 a month. Well, guess what? <laughs> How can you possibly deal with that? Well, we just dealt with it. <laughs> God. Did, you, did you hear that? I guess I got I to play it again. Just, if not for you, for me. I just met, I won't embarrass them by pointing out, I don't, want, I don't have permission, but I just met a woman who has health care costs that are $600,000 $600, a year. $600,000 a year is what Joe Biden thinks this woman's health insurance costs. <laughs> $7,000 a month. And the math doesn't even work there. This is not an evil genius that is purposely destroying the economy. I mean, he's destroying the economy. Don't worry. But it's the people around him giving him these policies. It's just kind of funny to, 
to even think that this guy, just just give him no credit for anything, except for bumbling, being corrupt, stealing, those kinds of things. But if you think this man is driving anything, he couldn't drive a short bus uh, if he needed it to. Needed to. He could ride in one. He belongs in one, but he couldn't drive the short bus. Here's another one. Morning, sorry we're late, a little late. It's all my fault. Well, look, uh, I think we've got a good jobs report. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over 300,000 new jobs last month. And that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000. 12,000 jobs since I took office. <laughs> He's created, tw- I mean, I don't know. Sometimes the truth wants to sneak out. I'd say that's probably accurate. I'd say Joe Biden's created 12,000 jobs <laughs> since he got elected uh, two years ago. Nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. Whoa. That means overall we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. And uh, I think all this matters. It's no accident. What, what, what do the people around him, what do they do when this man's making a speech? Oh, I bet there's some, some tight, uh, I, I don't know. It's got to make you very nervous. Of course, the press says nothing. Excuse me, Mr. President, did you mean 12,000 jobs is all you've created? I mean, yeah, of course, they don't even ask him. Excuse me, Mr. President, did that woman really have $600,000 in insurance premium? No, they don't ever ask. Uh, they don't ever ask. But I'm sorry, I'm going to also do this, and then I'm going to take a break. Uh, Joe Biden, is, he's his, it's an odd combination, really. I struggle for the words to really define this man. He's, he's completely morally bankrupt, completely corrupt. But at the same time, he's, he's, a, he's like a helpless, doddering old man, yet at the same time, wildly destructive. He's, he's an odd combination of a ton of terrible things. But this kind of drives me crazy. Uh, Donald Trump put out, I guess this is a truth, of course, where do I see it? On Twitter. (laughs) Uh, This is what Trump is saying about our current economic situation. He says, with what is happening to our economy and with the proposals being made on the largest and dumbest tax increase in the history of the USA times five, Joe Biden will go down as the Herbert Hoover of the modern age. He will have a great, we will have a great depression far bigger and more powerful than that of 1929. As proof, the banks are already starting to collapse. This will sell. This will sell with no acknowledgement, with no acknowledgement of Donald Trump signing record budget deficits that leads to inflation, that leads to banks holding crappy bonds on their balance sheet, which leads to bank insolvency. There will be no mention on conservative media, unfortunately, of the $5 trillion created out of thin air in a response to a bad flu for some, not even a bad flu. $5 trillion that lit the fuse on the 2022 inflation. Nobody will mention that. And this backseat driving, like, oh, if I was there, I've told you a million times, if Donald Trump was in office right now, you know what we'd have? We would have inflation and we would have bank failures. This is a math issue, not ideological, not personality driven. This is an issue of mathematics. And what has happened under Obama, Trump, and Biden led us here, all three of them, holding hands and printing money. Be right back. I am 
A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard Handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars What I want you to want, what I want you to feel But it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real So I let go, watching you, turn your back like you always do Face away and pretend that I'm not, but I'll be here cause you're all that I got All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Um, I was on the Clay Edwards show uh, last week. I came in, I, I, I had already done the shows for Wednesday and Thursday. This was after the SVB collapse. Clay was interested in it. I thought we'd kick it around a little bit, try to get some, some explanation of what's going on in the bond market. I, it was funny, and I, I'm not angry or anything. I, I, it was just funny. Uh, we got some texts. We got some good questions in. You know, there's one texter said, can you please stop having this guy on your show? <laughs> it's just very interesting. So people just don't want to know uh, what's going on. And I'm going to tell you the result of that kind of thing. Well, you know, if you look at what's been happening to Americans, uh, it's, you know, like that boiling the frog slowly. Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to tell the frog, hey, uh, they've got the heat on. I know it's still... Still okay in there right now. Feels a little, feels a little bit like a heated pool, uh, but it's going to end badly for you if you don't get up before you start getting groggy. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to coax the frog uh, out of the pot before the temperature overcomes you. This was a really sad tweet I saw. Some, uh, I think it's a, yeah, it's a woman here. She goes by NTK. Listen to this. 20 years ago, working as a server. I lived in a corner, one-bedroom apartment downtown with amazing water views for $700 a month. A similar apartment now costs $3,600 a month, more than five times as much. She says, as a lawyer, at age 47, I am unable to afford living in the apartment I did at age 27 while waiting tables. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting and true, and it's certainly, you know, that's that's not a... That's not a Mississippi statistic. That's some of these big towns. You know what happens in some of these big urban areas where the property values just go to absolutely insane levels. It's always very interesting. It's always the liberal areas, the, the left areas, you know, your, your Cuomo's, you know, your Gavin Newsom's, your, your liberal gov, uh, mayors of these towns where average people can't live in any quality of life. They're stuck in housing projects. There's, there's nothing nice for them in these towns, yet somehow they still get away with being the party of the people, of the little people. But this is the kind of thing that happens to the economy. And this is the slowly part. What we're about to see is the all-at-once part. Um, see, I had something else here. Too. One thing I did kind of want to know. I kind of want to know this. this. This is just interesting to me. It's just a, I don't know, it's a thought experiment. Now, when... Joe Biden came in office, and the inflation really took off last year. Um, as I said, the inflation is a mathematical thing. If you flood the economy with endless money printing for 12, 14 years, uh, you're going to get inflation. I've been talking about it for six years, long before anybody else was talking about it, because you hadn't really felt it at consumer prices uh, yet. But see, I just knew it was math. Math, if nothing else... If you're not in some kind of a woke curriculum, math doesn't lie. It's inevitable. Um, so oil prices started going up when Biden came in office. And I remember 
I pointed out many, many times, people putting the Joe Biden sticker, hey, I did that uh, at your high gas prices. And it's cute. I, it really, I love it as kind of people rebelling against the government and uh, against the president. That's fantastic. I wish people would do it for all presidents and didn't belong to tribes where they have to overlook you know, the inflation created by other presidents to just focus in on the one. But I, I like the idea of people poking fun at politicians at, at, at any opportunity. But here's the interesting thing. And as I say, it's just a thought experiment. This is not another thing. Won't make me popular. But uh, what does everybody think about oil prices now? It's, it's interesting. Um, right now, the price of a uh, barrel of oil is about 66 bucks as I record this. About $66. It was up over 120 And when it was around 100 maybe even 90 and prices at the pump started going up, that's when everybody deployed with all of the, hey, I did those stickers. Now, my curious question is, um, do you give Joe Biden credit for the price going down since then? I, I don't. Because I understand these are mathematical economic things that are happening. Oil price. Now, Joe Biden is worse for oil prices than maybe any president in the history of the country. His harebrained schemes over trying to villainize oil, that definitely adds a few bucks to every barrel, no doubt about it. And if he were to retain control or his ilk uh, over the next 20 years, it could be catastrophic. But right now, gasoline was suffering from the same kinds of things that other products were. Uh, and and when it comes to oil, the business cycle is really big. When they're flooding an economy with a bunch of printed money, like, uh, I don't know, all of the stimulus checks from 2020, 2021, uh, there's more business activity with all this cash floating around, and so oil becomes more in demand. And now the economy's softening, right? And so oil is selling off. We're not using as much of it. When we go into deep recessions... Sometimes oil gets very, very cheap because there's really no demand because commercial activity. I just think it's interesting we ignore that. I don't give Joe Biden any credit for this, but, you know, in September of 2018, I actually went back and looked at the oil price chart just to see. In September of 2018, during the Trump term, oil prices were $87.13. Now they're $66. Strange how nobody's talking about the price of oil anymore, are they? And the same thing goes for the Democrats. They do exactly the same thing. This is why partisanship is so disastrous for our brain, for our consistency, for our intellectualism, because it just ignores reality unless the reality plays into our political beliefs. You know, I have two great wishes. I wish that people gained some legitimate understanding of economics so they didn't keep falling for all of the politicians' lives, as Walter Williams said earlier in the quote of the day, um, politicians exploit people's economic ignorance. I'd love to see real deep down honesty and consistency. But those two things just don't seem to be coming anytime soon. I think I practice them here. You know, it's like wealth inequality. I heard a lot about wealth inequality from the media and from the left during Trump's term. Strangely, they were very quiet about that during the Obama term. If you go look at a chart of wealth inequality... Take a look at Barack Obama's entire tenure in the White House. That eight years, <laughs> it took off. We'd never seen wealth inequality climb the way it did during the Obama years. And of course, this was because of the money printing. This was because all of the wealthy people who get first dibs on all those fresh uh, created bucks, 
They were exploiting that system. They got bailed out, and then they got propped up. And they were lapping it up. And wealth inequality took off under Barack Obama. Left didn't like to look at it then. Donald Trump comes in. It became a big thing. The rich are getting richer. Or the rich were getting real rich during the Obama administration. But I wanted to talk about, I only got one more segment, not a whole long time. I made a comparison of the U.S. economy on Clay Edwards' show the other day, but I've tweaked it. I think I've made it better. I'm going to tell you what the U.S. economy has been for decades. Biden, Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, even Reagan. It's been a facade, but I've, I've tweaked my facade explanation of exactly. I think this one is really spot on. I'll let you see what you think when we come back. Stick around. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho. All right, final segment for today's show. Um, I was on Clay's show. We were talking about the opening salvo of the financial crisis, which is coming. By the time you hear this, I don't know when it, the dam bursts. You know, there's a there were many months between the failure of Bear Stearns and the collapse of Lehman Brothers. I believe maybe six months, so eight months maybe. It was a while. So I, there's no good way of getting the timing on this stuff good. Uh, but we were talking about this on Clay's show, and I said, you know, American prosperity has been a facade. Uh, when you base things on debt, and we all know this from our own personal experience, um, if you're just given a new credit card, well, you should have seen the prosperity I had in college when the credit cards first came in. Now, I was uh, bartending when I was in college and ended up managing a restaurant there, but I, I was making the same amount of money. But if you'd looked at me from the outside... Ooh, I got really prosperous there. I took a couple of vacations. I was the guy always buying everybody's drinks at the bar because <laughs> I was so prosperous. My income hadn't changed, but those new credit cards really made me look prosperous. I was generating a lot of economic activity. And so I mentioned this as kind of like looking across the street at a neighbor. You know, they work a job, got middle class, middle income household. And then you start seeing that they're they're adding to their house. And they're remodeling the kitchen. They got two brand new cars out there. They're putting in a pool. And oh my gosh, did you see the boat that they got? Now, when you look at that, you just think to yourself, man, that guy must be killing it. Excuse me, I don't want to be sexist. That man and woman, or woman only as head of household and sole breadwinner. I think I covered it all there. Uh, whoever, they are killing it over there. I don't know what they're doing, but boy, are they successful. And, and I made mention of on Clay's show that no, no, what, what really happened was those neighbors, you're not paying attention to that. They just got some new credit. They just got a new uh, Amex card with unlimited, an unlimited credit line on it. And so you, you, you know intellectually then, oh, okay, so have their incomes gone up? No, not much, almost none. Are they doing something new? No, not really. Have they made some investments that have really paid off? No, no. They just got some more credit. And boy, are they out there using it. They're spending it. So from the outside, they look so prosperous. 
But in the inside of it, it's just a debt bomb waiting to explode. That's the U.S. economy. But here's the tweak I've made to that example. Actually, what it is, when you look across the street and you see all this new economic activity, ultimately you found out they just went and took out credit cards in the names of their children. That's what they did. When their children got to be, I don't know, let's just say college age, early 20s, maybe maybe the son or daughter graduated from dental school and so had all these credit lines available, the parents swooped in and took out a bunch of credit in their kids' names. They're not even spending their own credit. They are just stealthily stealing and putting their children in an absolutely horrific financial shape. And they know as they're spending the money, as they're remodeling the kitchen, as they're buying the new boat, they know there's no way they'll ever pay this back. But they just think they'll let it ride. They'll, they'll enjoy the good times now while they've got access to this credit, but eventually it falls on the head of their children. Now, we see these stories from time to time. You'll hear of a parent that takes out a credit card in some kid's name. Sometimes we know people who have done this. You know, they're in a desperate spot. They're in a crack usually. They use their kid's social security number and go out and get credit lines on them. And then all of a sudden the kid goes to apply for something and they're like, oh, your credit's trash. You got $30,000 in credit and outstanding. And what? I've never had a credit card in my life. Well, you've got one here. Find out that the parents had taken out a credit card. That's what we've done. It's not bad. The facade is that we've built this all on debt, not by producing more, not by creating something new, just pulling all the demand forward to keep us going debt, printed money. The problem is, is that the credit will actually belong to our children. That's the crime of this thing, in my opinion, the true crime. We should all be ashamed we've allowed this to go. And unfortunately, as I will tell you, this is the fault of both parties, all modern presidents. They have all participated in this. It's a facade. And we're about to see, you know, sometimes you'll see accident on a Wild West stage, they do the stunt stuff, but there's no building there. It's just the facade of a building. But occasionally uh, something will hit one of the things in the whole building. Just The whole facade of the building just falls backwards. There's nothing actually holding it up. Stay tuned. That's what's coming next. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.